KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. It's time for Midday Edition on KPBS. Today we're talking about the outdoors and an organization creating safe spaces to enjoy it. I'm Jade Hindman. Here's the conversations that keep you informed, inspired, and make you think. We're talking to the director of the new PBS show, Human Footprint. We as a species, we change the environments that we live in, but we're also shaped by those environments. And so that it's, it's a constant cycle. We, we change and then it changes us culturally. Plus, a conversation about one organization creating a safe space for Black people to enjoy the outdoors and the health benefits and healing that come from being in nature. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. It's hard to understate the scale of change that humans have had on our global environment. We're a species that can achieve the highest advances in technology and thought, while also being undoubtedly the single most destructive force on the planet. But how do we reconcile that relationship? And how can we rethink how we coexist with an ever-changing planet? A new PBS series, Human Footprint, will explore that delicate balance. Here's what you can expect. On a planet teeming with life, one species is reshaping the world and determining the future of every other. From what we eat, to how we move, to where we live. So what will be the legacy that defines our species' history? And I'm joined by the series director, Nate Dappen. Nate, welcome to Midday Edition. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Great to have you. So this will be sort of a part science, part travel show. How would you explain it to a first-time viewer? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I think, a unique science documentary series. It's part travel, part science, part adventure, part history, part culture. Um, we really tried to find stories where where science and culture sort of weave together um and i think as you watch the series you'll you'll sort of see how the cultural attitudes that we have at certain times really shaped the choices that we've made that have had really long lasting impacts um the series itself human footprint is a series about how humans transform the planet and what those transformations sort of say about us and sort of the big take home message is just that we, we as a species, we, we change the environments that we live in, but we're also shaped by those environments. And so that it's, it's a constant cycle. We, we change and then it changes us culturally. And then that causes more change. And so that's, that's definitely one of the big take home messages that people will sort of start seeing in, in all the episodes. Yeah, it's amazing how everything is so interconnected. Um, where did the idea for this show come from? 
Well, my business partner, Neil and I, um, we, we both got our PhDs in evolutionary biology before going into filmmaking about, about a decade ago, a little bit more than a decade ago. And so a lot of the films we make are, are stories about evolution. And in the last 20, 30 years, researchers started shifting a lot of, of their attention to research that, that focused on human-driven evolution. So in the past, I think a lot of researchers and scientists have looked at humans as sort of separate from nature. Um, and as we've made such a massive transformation on the planet, I think we've started to realize that we are a very potent force of evolution. Animals and plants and microorganisms and fungi are evolving by natural selection to live in the world that we have created. Um, and, they, and they have to, to survive. And so we, we're focusing on those stories. Um, and at the same time, we met the host of the show, Shane Campbell Staten, who, who this is what he studies. He's, he studies human-driven evolution, evolution in the Anthropocene um, in the age of humans. And he sort of had a different approach. He was thinking, we were thinking more of like a Nova, kind of like a talking heads type show. And he was thinking more of a host-driven show. And I think he, he wanted to be the host. And pretty much right after we met him, we realized this guy is the real deal. Um, and we became friends. And the three of us over the course of about two years developed this, this idea of, of mostly stories that were about human-driven evolution. And when we pitched that show to PBS, our executive producer, Bill Gardner, was like, yeah, I know the evolution stories are cool and interesting, but I think that kind of limits the show. What about just a show that's really about how humans are impacting the planet? So not just stories of evolution, but all sorts of different kinds of stories. And I think once we thought about it that way, it kind of like a light bulb went off and we realized, oh my God, there are so many crazy stories about how we've transformed the world. I think most of us are so wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives that we don't stop and think how bizarre the world we live in actually is. It's just a very strange place. Technology that we could not have imagined 50 years ago is now just commonplace in our lives. And there are so many of us. And when collectively we decide to do pretty much anything, the toll it takes the impact that it has is just enormous. And so that's that's sort of how the, the the show evolved. And then and then, you know, as we started working on it, we really wanted to make something that was in the spirit of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, but we want to shape it around Shane's identity. Um, and so we, you know, his identity, his hobbies, uh, his his sort of his style. Um, and so we approached uh, Shane and I both are sort of a 90s hip hop fanatics. And so we approached a famous um, hip hop producer, a, a legendary hip hop producer and composer named Adrian Young, who's worked on a lot of fantastic albums, worked with Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar and Wu-Tang and Ghostface and, and Method Man and all these famous rappers. And I don't know how they agreed to be to be a part of it, but they agreed to sort of do the score. And so we've got this really unique um, show that uh, I think has a, a brilliant host that brings a really unique perspective that's all driven by, by hip hop and rap. Um, and so I think it's something that people haven't seen on PBS before. A lot of people are fully aware of climate change, but are unwilling to think about how we can change our relationship with it. Uh, why do you think that is? You know, that's a complicated question and there's a lot of answers. And I certainly I certainly don't have the, the, the silver bullet, um, but I, I think, I think we're often sold this idea that our individual choices can make big impacts. And I think that it is true. It's hard because it is true, but I, I think what I, I have sort of come away with 
from working on this show is that so many of the enormous changes that have happened that are bad or good have to do with um, systemic, systemic uh, changes that happen that impact everybody. Uh, legislation that reshapes how we purchase houses or what our yards can look like or where funding goes to certain kinds of agricultural crops or certain kinds of animals. Laws around pets and what we're allowed to keep and what we're not. Laws around hunting. Those things limit the choices that we have. And, you know, I think when we're only shown sort of the, the sort of limited choices that we have and only some of them make a very limited impact, it can feel really disheartening. And so I, I think I sort of walked away from the show really feeling like, gosh, we have the power as individuals to change these things. But I think, you know, my my attitude is that the major focus should be on 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 systemic changes. So changes in policy, both here domestically and internationally. Um, I think those are the things that are going to make the biggest impact um, on on living a sustainable life and, and and curbing the impacts of things like climate change. Often we hear people say something along the lines of, oh, it doesn't matter if I make these climate conscious decisions in my life, because whatever's done in some other industrialized country will cancel out any good I do. I mean, what do you say to that kind of outlook and, and what can be done on an individual level? Well, I think be the change you want to see is a very good attitude, right? I think I think like um, we're all we're all hypocrites in our own way. I think there's very few of us who live a, a you know, a purely perfect um, philosophical righteous life. I think we all are trying, you know, we, we try to do the best we can, but we live in hypocrisy. That said, I I, I think it's really important for us to try and make the choices that we think are the right choices. So, for example, I, I, I was a meat eater my entire life um, and I've, I've come around to um, still I still love meat, but I've come around to uh, realizing that the impacts of the, the environmental impacts and the ethical dilemmas around around meat isn't isn't worth me participating in. It, 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 it is something I think. I would feel bad about doing if I if I'm really honest with myself, and so I do that. I do. I, I'm a vegetarian, and I I do that both because um, I, I believe in it, but also because it gives me a chance to to talk about a set of values that I have. And I think the more people that I met before taking that that step, um, which was a hard step for me because I really love meat, um, the more people I met, the more it felt worse for me to keep doing it. Um, the more people, the more people I met who were vegetarians who have these same sort of ethical environmental issues with that industry, um, th yeah, the harder it became for me to continue sort of behaving the way that I behave. And so I think we can have impacts through our behaviors, uh, even if as individuals, it's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, you know, it's really hard for people to, to confront these issues. I mean, when you're talking about something as important as the fate of the planet, People can sometimes tune out. Uh, do you think this show will will really make this subject more approachable? I hope so. Uh, you know, I I don't see this stuff as doom and gloom. I I I, I don't think uh, we're on the road to self destruction. You know, I, through these kinds of choices. The thing is, human beings are so creative, and we are so good at solving problems. There's no problem out there that, with enough resources and enough manpower, we can't we can't solve. And we've done it over and over again. I think that the the thing that I see is that we, we're incredible problem solvers. We just don't think too far into the future. And so we just sort of move forward. And instead of thinking about the future we want and trying to build that future, we think about what we want right now and solve the problems at hand. And that often creates new problems. 
Um, and so I have no doubt that we'll solve the problems of today and we'll create new ones. And I think people who watch the show will will agree. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the great things about this show, and I, I feel really proud that we were, I think we were able to accomplish this, is that we're not pointing fingers at anybody. You watch this show and you will leave hearing opinions that you do not like. Your ideas about the world will be challenged. You might hear some things that you do like as well. And I think it's gonna leave you with more questions than answers. And I think that that's a good place to be to start conversations about what we really want the future to look like and what it's gonna to take to get there. You're listening to Midday Edition on KPBS, and I'm speaking with Nate Dappen, director of the upcoming PBS series, Human Footprint. This series really explores how uniquely ingenious and destructive humanity's impact on Earth has been. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, our our impact on the planet is just absolutely enormous. You know, we, we have covered an, an insane amount of the land surface of the planet, something like, like a third of it, with crops that we eat. We've replaced the vast majority of the biomass on the planet with animals that we eat and, and the food that those animals eat. We have changed the chemistry of the ocean. We've changed the chemistry of the air. We've, you can see our cities from space. We've created intricate roads that cover hundreds of thousands of square miles of asphalt. I mean, I, I was I was doing some some math. I was talking with this guy talking about math, you know, with 8 billion people on the planet, if everybody just has a drop of water, you're talking about something crazy like like it's almost like half a million liters of water if everyone just has one drop. Um we just we do things on a scale that is just insane and we don't stop. We never stop. We're all just wrapped up in our daily lives and things that might just seem normal have enormous impacts. The show explores conversations also with people from a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives. Why was it important to have such a broadcast of characters uh, like that? Well, I, I think I think part of it is just that we, we work on a lot of films with scientists. And, and if you watch the series, you'll see there's still a lot of scientists in, in, in the film. But I think scientists... They come, at, they come at issues from a really unique perspective. They're curious about them. They want to understand them. And I think most of us, um, most of us are just living our lives. And the issues that the scientists are studying are, are sort of embedded in our day-to-day -day life. They're embedded in our culture. And so we approach them really differently. And so we really wanted characters who could bring a perspective to a story that wasn't academic, that was, that was relatable. And, and I, think, I think we achieved that. Um, and, and the reality is, is that depending on where you live, the way you look at a certain topic can vary tremendously. And so our goal was to try and balance a lot of the hot button issues with people whose lives were really going to be impacted in one way or another around those issues. Um, and so our, our goal was just to really present a unique perspective that had value to the audience so that they could think about an issue that maybe they thought they understood in a, in a different way. You know, what did you end up learning through your involvement with this show? Oh my God, so much. I, you know, it was a real, it really kind of messed, messed me up a little bit. I think I, I came into the show with a lot of strong opinions about what should be done around environmental issues, um, about how people should live their lives. And I think I walked away feeling like I knew a lot less. <laughs> Like, like, like maybe, maybe I, I, I should soften 
a lot of my my hard hard line opinions. I, that doesn't mean I don't think you need to to put a line in the sand when it comes to solving some of these problems. But I I really think culture plays such a strong role in shaping culture and identity play such a strong role in shaping the way that we look at and try and solve the issues that are presented to us right now as a as a as a global society. Um, so I know that's not a satisfying answer, but pretty much every single episode we worked on just completely blew my mind. Um, and and I, I left feeling and I still wrestle with a lot of a lot of it to try to figure out where I stand. Um, and I, I really hope that that's what the show does to people. I think right now folks have really strong opinions. They feel really informed. And I, I don't mean to take that away from them. I think that a lot of people are very informed. But even as somebody who's highly educated on issues that I thought I really understood, I only understood them from a certain lens and meeting people um, who were looking at it from a truly different perspective opened my eyes just to show me that there are a lot of nuances to most of these seemingly simple issues. Um, so I could be more specific if you if you wanted to ask a, you know a specific question about what I learned, but I, I think I think big picture of the thing that I learned is is that a thing that I told you earlier, just that we're just we're so good at solving problems. Humans are so good at it. And I have hope, so much hope that we're gonna solve so many of the issues that we have today. I also um, don't believe that humans are gonna look too far into the future imagine a world that they want and make the right choices to get there. Cause I, I don't think that's how we operate at scale. I think that's, that's how we operate sometimes as individuals, but as a society, it's hard to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm pessimistic. That doesn't mean I don't think it could happen. I, I've seen a lot of places where it has, I think Singapore is an interesting example there where what they've done with their city. Um, and we, we have an episode about that, um, in our, in our cities episode, um, urban jungle, but but um, in general, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about our ability to solve the problems at hand and pessimistic about us creating a better world. You know, without giving us too much, can you give us a preview of what viewers can expect from the different episodes in the series? So every episode in this series is fantastic. I am I, very proud of it. I think it's excellent television just for entertainment value, and it is excellent science documentary. Um, and every episode presents a really unique sort of way in which we've transformed the planet. So there's six episodes. They start airing on July 5th on Wednesday nights on July 5th on, on national PBS. The first episode is called strangers in paradise. It's all about invasive species. The second episode is called top predator. It's about humans as the top predator on the planet. It's about us as hunters. Third episode is about dogs. It's about how we transformed wolves into dogs and how we reshaped them and then how they reshaped us. Fourth episode is called The Replacement. It's about how some obscure species, once obscure species became super abundant and basically sort of took over the world, are now very successful because of us. We have an episode called The Urban Jungle, which is all about cities, why we build them, what they do to the environment, what they do to wildlife, and what they do to us. And then we have our sixth episode, which is called The Ground Below, which is all about cotton. That's about how cotton transformed the globe. And um, each episode is deep and it very much is a lot less about what we do than it is about who we are and why we do it. And so, you know, you can see uh, just just that the first episode, which will air on July 5th, Strangers in Paradise, which is about invasive species, we go out hunting pythons with a real estate agent who quit her job to become a professional python hunter. We, we do a story about horses and how horses are actually not native here, even though they're an iconic species. And then we go to Hawaii and look at 
pigs as an exploration of why we consider something native and what what belongs and why why we think certain things belong and certain things don't. In our episode about hunting, we go to the whale warehouse and we we get, we get to see some of the largest bones in existence and learn about and learn about whaling. We look at the Chesapeake Bay and find out how the waterfowl there disappeared. For the dog episode, I got to go with Shane up to the Arctic and we went on a seal hunt with an Inuit sled dog hunter. So we went out hunting seals on the on the sea ice. Uh, it was a wild, wild adventure. We got to go to the Westminster Kennel Club and film all these beautiful purebreds. And at the same time, we, we got to go to Mexico City to film the story about street dogs. In the urban jungle, uh, our city's episode, we do a story on rats where we go out with these rat hunting dogs. From what I learned, you can use poisons and traps, but that doesn't really get rid of rats. The only really effective way of getting rid of rats are these ratting dogs. And so we went out in a crazy thunderstorm in, in Adams Morgan in DC. And these dogs just were having a ball um, and the rats were not having a good night. Um, so that was a, a crazy, a crazy, crazy adventure. We got to go to Singapore to see a, a city that's really very much very new and completely reimagine the way that we should be living in urban environments. And then, you know, our episode about cotton is about how cotton basically created our modern capitalist society. It was the engine that drove it and reshaped the way we do agriculture and of course shaped the legacy we, we currently have with slavery in this country. But it's also a story of hope. Um, and so I, I hope folks will tune on to that one as well. I think it's a very powerful episode. Very powerful, very fascinating. Human Footprint premieres Wednesday, July 5th on KPBS TV, and it'll be available for streaming on the PBS app. I've been speaking with Nate Dappen, the director of Human Footprint. Nate, thanks so much for talking with us today and congratulations on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how we can better impact the world around us. Give us a call at 619-452-0228. Leave a message or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. Coming up, one organization creating a safe space for Black people to enjoy the outdoors. Now that these spaces are available to us, we need to find ways to reconnect, connect and deepen our relationship again with nature. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Welcome back to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. There is so much out there to explore when we talk about the great outdoors. San Diegans especially are spoiled when it comes to taking in nature's resources with sand, sea, mountains, and deserts all on our doorstep. Despite this abundance of nature to explore, many Black Americans have long felt excluded and unwelcome to these lifestyles and activities. But for years now, groups have been springing to boost a common goal – Make the outdoors a safe, joyous, and accessible place for Black Americans. I'm joined now by founder of one such group, Jessica Newton, CEO of Vibe Tribe Adventures. Jessica, welcome to Midday Edition. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
we're so glad that you are here. So um, where did your desire come from to create a safe space for Black people to enjoy outdoor adventure and experience activities? Yeah, so I found myself being the only person of color uh, hiking when I would take lunch breaks at my a job. I used to work in a canyon um, and all of my coworkers would be like, hey, Jess, let's go, you know, let's go for a hike during our lunch. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. I thought this was so cool that we could, you know, take an hour off to go hiking in this canyon. Um, and then I started just adventuring even more. Uh, as a little girl, I had always been adventuring. But as I got into adulthood, it became very lonesome. And I realized it's always just me and my daughter and her little friends that I would just, you know, drive by and pick up. And I I wanted sisterhood in the community. I wanted brotherhood in the community. Um, and so with that being said, I just decided to start a hiking group. And it really grew very vastly, very quickly, because again, this is something that our community is searching for. Um, and so it was total blessing in, in my eyes. And you know, like, I think most people when they, you know, walk into hiking, camping, you know, a lot of people say, you know what, I don't see my tribe here. Um, so mm -hmm. this activity must not be for me. But talk to me about what exploring the outdoors did for you. Yeah, it well, so I I work in the aerospace industry, um, design build space industry, and it's stressful. You know, it's very stressful. You have government contracting you have to work through. And I just needed a place to get grounded, to balance myself, to balance my emotions. Also dealing with the microaggressions of being the only African-American woman in my company or in my department. Um, and so I needed a place to let go and be free and color doesn't matter, right? Like nature doesn't care about that. Nature wants to help you rebalance yourself. Um, and so that's what it did for me. And then also physical fitness. Um, you know, my family deals with obesity um, and diabetes. Um, and so knowing that I could physically get rid of these things by being more physically active in the outdoors. Mm, I think that that speaks to my next question. But why do you think that creating this safe space is so necessary in the first place? Well, we have a little bit of trauma when it comes to nature. Um, unfortunately, there was, you know, Sundays when, you know, our European counterparts would go to church and have picnics and there they would literally find someone and hang them from a tree. So we have uh, lots of trauma when it comes down to what slavery was being in outdoors and hard labor and picking cotton and, and those types of things, you know, slave catching. Um, and so now that these spaces are available to us, we need to find ways to reconnect, connect and deepen our relationship again with nature, because nature is everyone's birthright uh, to experience it. Hmm. And, you know, one recent story that comes to mind is, uh, you know, the Central Park bird watching incident where mm. a black birder, birder uh, was harassed just for being out there in nature and enjoying his hobby. Yeah. Um, has anything like that ever happened to you or the people who've joined your group? Yeah, we we did. We had a hike. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, you know, 
when we we don't always RSVP, you know, black people don't always always RSVP. So who does? We put up a hike. <laughs> <laughs> we put we put up a we scheduled a hike. We said the location, and we had sixty women, black women, show up, and it was so much fun. And so much love. We're all in our backpacks, our tennis shoes. You know, we were with our trekking poles. We clearly look like we're in the outdoors. And there was a lady horseback riding. And she, you know, was calling us a mob. And what are you doing here? And why are you on my trail? You need to move out of the way. My horse has the right of passage, you know, the right right of way on this trail. And uh, for, unfortunately, her husband was the board of directors for the park and then he then called the park authorities and then they also called the sheriff of the county that we were in um, and they approached us with hands on their guns and they said why are you guys here and I was like well this is a, a park and it's a beautiful one and there's lots of amazing trails here and we just wanted to recreate in the outdoors as a community um, and so that was very unfortunate and it, it is unfortunate when um, it's not normal. It doesn't look normal for outsiders to to see us in the outdoors, which is another reason why Vibe Tribe Adventures and all of the our affiliate clubs exist, because we need to normalize what it looks like to be in the outdoors again. Right. It's like there's this idea that Black people don't uh, belong out in nature um, when I hear that story. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, there's there's also a lot of historical trauma that exists in the relationship between Black Americans um, and the relationship that we've had with our, our national parks. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, we weren't allowed to uh, reserve spaces to go camping. Um, there's There was even a, a, a portion at a time where during the Civil Rights Act when things were becoming more diverse and desegregated, uh, white people would write letters to our park commissions saying that the reason that they really want parks to be for white people is to get away from us. Um, And so it has been this, you know, whites only space to, you know, have fun and enjoy life. Um, So I'm, I'm just so glad that we have people like uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. She um, is a the first African American woman commissioner to be um, appointed by the governor there, um, and she was able to, you know, have a voice for the Black community. And so we need that all across the United States and everywhere else to have a people of color in these higher positions to have a voice for us. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 there's definitely trauma there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but what's been the response since you founded this group? I mean, have people just been like, finally, I've been waiting for something like this to come along? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, our first our first three months, we had over 1,500 members, and we had people reaching out to us from all over the world asking how can they be a part of this organization? How can they be adventure guides? How can they volunteer? Even our allies are like, how can I volunteer? How can I be a part of this movement? Um, and so it's, it's, it's exciting. It's a blessing and it's giving to the community. Um, and I really appreciate the response that we're getting from our allies and community members. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of other groups have, have popped up too. When I, uh, 
lived in the Midwest, I joined a group called Outdoor Afro. And it was just it yeah. was like the best thing, you know, to, <laughs> to be able to get outdoors uh, in a safe space. And um, it was really therapeutic. And it was good exercise. Mm-hmm. So I can totally relate to, yeah. to all of that. Um, you know, roadmap, out- she's been doing an amazing uh She's been doing an amazing thing with Outdoor Afro. I talk to her every now and then. I actually consider her a mentor of mine. Um, and she's really just been heading it on and making, really driving the the gear to say, look, I'm here. You start yours. You start yours. You start yours uh, organization. So I really appreciate the support that she does give to other black and brown uh, adventure companies. Yeah, I mean, it's a great thing. You know, outdoor activities are often thought of as a white thing or as a a group of activities that are only for the affluent. Why do you think that is? Well, unfortunately, there is an economic barrier when it comes to being being in the outdoors. The ski industry, uh, the snow sport industry, the paddle boarding, the, the water sports industry, it's it's very, very, very expensive. Um, and so that's one of the things that Vibe Tribe Adventures does is we are able to provide um, outdoor education and equipment and gear and courses and trips and opportunities that remove those barriers so that people of color are able to experience the same outdoor activities as our counterparts. Um, and so it's, it's, um, it's, that's just one of the missions that we decided was, you know, recreating is expensive. How can we uh, minimize the cost that comes out of our pockets so that we can put those in, leave those in for our, our food and our shelter and transportation. Um, and so partnering with government entities as well as corporate uh, big corporate outdoor companies has been very helpful in bringing in funding to uh, be a relief to our community for those activities. I'm speaking with Jessica Newton, CEO of Vibe Tribe Adventures. Our conversation continues after a quick break. Stay with us. What are your suggestions for enjoying the outdoors in San Diego? Give us a call at 619-452-0228. You can leave a message or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. Coming up, the conversation continues with the health benefits and healing that come from outdoor recreation. Step outside, hang by a tree for 10 minutes, and I promise you it will change how you feel about yourself, your day, and the reflection of what you have for your community. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. I'm joined by Jessica Newton, CEO of Vibe Tribe Adventures, which is dedicated to making the great outdoors a more inclusive space for Black Americans. And Jessica, I'm just curious, what are some of your favorite ways to enjoy the outdoors? I actually love nature walks and I love being by the water, whether it's paddleboarding or just dipping my feet in the water. I love walking near creeks and rivers. It's one of my favorite things. I love finding waterfalls like that. It's like I need to have a destination when I start hiking. It's like where, where, what beautiful thing am I going to explore and find along the way? Um, and so I love the water aspect of being in the outdoors. 
It's like the payoff at the end of a long, long hike, right? <laughs> There's got to be yes. that waterfall, a lake, something that, <laughs> that you're looking at, yes. uh, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm the same way. And, uh, and I, I had decided when I moved here to San Diego that I was going to learn how to surf and that mm. that would be one of my, you know, outdoor activities. It didn't happen, though, because everybody told me about the stingrays um, that are in the sand. <laughs> and so... Yeah. I was concerned and it didn't happen. <laughs> but what what <laughs> advice would you have for someone who's just, you know, a little scared to get out there? Well, there's there's over 100 black outdoor companies across the United States and then there's also over 50 BIPOC, black indigenous people of color organizations across the United States as well. Um and so we have Black Girl Surf. Uh they exist and I'm sure that they could be willing to say, "Hey, if you want to be a part of our organization and take some surf classes. I'm sure, you know, it would help remove the fear and the barriers. If we don't have the education, then the fear still sits there with us. Um, and so each one of our organizations, we are providing education to our community to say, hey, this is the safe way to recreate. This is the safe way to get outdoors. Um, and so join your local adventure companies. I know in California, there's Black Girls Trekking. There's also SCOBA. Um, and there's also Black Men Hike LA. Uh, and then there's just a, a slew of them. Whether you're a professional and you're traveling, we're all across the United States. Um, and so join your local adventure company that's Black and Brown owned. Next question is, what do you think are the biggest barriers to a broader, more inclusive Black enjoyment of our natural spaces? I mean, you know, we've mentioned um, sometimes it's the finances um, and sometimes it's fear and education. I mean, uh, what are what are some other barriers that exist? Well, I think that we have to take it upon our individual selves and be advocates for us to be in these outdoor spaces. We need to sit on committees and boards and commissions to say, I want a park built in my neighborhood. If there's a new development going up, I want a green space. I want transportation to get to the mountains. I want us to build electrical shuttles to take us to a ski resort. Um, we have to have these positions of power in order to have a voice for our community. So all of our adventure companies, we need somebody in each one of those to say, this is the change that my community is needing, and this is how we're going to advocate for it. Um, and so just, just like I said, Taisha Adams at the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission has literally changed the trajectory of how outdoor agencies work with the black and brown organizations in the state of Colorado. And I'm sure that room map is probably doing the same thing in California as well. Um, and so, yeah, we have to be a part of the legislation. We have to be a part of the change. We have to be those change agents uh, when it comes down to the authorizing authorities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and, you know, you touched on this, but yeah, accessibility is a huge part of that. You know, here in San Diego, kids in uh, City Heights, Spring Valley, you know, I remember yeah. us doing a story about access to the beach, and it took them mm -hmm. four hours to ride mm -hmm. a bus just to get to the beach. And this is San Diego, yeah. you know, so mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the barriers, I think, that people here in San Diego deal with. Um, but, you know, Vibe Tribe, it isn't just uh, exploring the outdoors here in the U.S. You're taking people from uh, you're taking people rather to different countries as well. What's that been like? 
Yeah, so we actually put together a retreat for Black women to go to Costa Rica and relax, rejuvenate, and uh, decompress, get rid of all the things that Black women carry on our shoulders. We also have a leadership retreat because we actually uh, are supporting uh, Black and Brown uh, adventure companies that need to have infrastructure. They need financial management. They need strategic planning. Uh, They need uh, their bookkeeping and their taxes. Uh, they need to know the knowledge of all the things it takes to run a business. Um, and so we actually support 12 companies across the United States, and we're always open to more. But this is a way for that new startups can get going. And so we're taking them to Costa Rica in August to literally show how do I start my company How do I operate it properly? And then how do I execute it and bring in the proper team to support me? Uh, The outdoor industry is a $400 billion industry. And our Black and Brown communities need to understand what that means for us. That is a new level of economic wealth that we can literally bring into our communities just by knowing how to be an outfitter, just how knowing how to have an outdoor company. Um, And so that's one of our goals is to expose people to traveling, expose people to other cultures, expose people to opportunities that you could start an adventure company, a paddleboarding company, a river rafting company in Costa Rica. Um, And so we need to tap into that. And the goal is to, you know, bring us to these places to rest and relax and rejuvenate, but also how can I tap into this industry so that I can change what a generational wealth looks like in our black communities? Yeah, that's great. Um, and I just I have to ask this question. You know, we've we've been talking about the racial challenges that people face here in the United States when it comes to enjoying the outdoors. But have you come across these same challenges abroad? No, <laughs> no, it's, it's actually quite opposite. It's very <laughs> opening. Uh, they love for us to be there because we are actually tapping into their tourism dollars. And so they love us to come and to explore and to adventure. They love us to be there. Um, And so I really, really appreciate uh, the support that we get when we do travel. You know, if you could speak (laughs) to Black Americans directly who feel that these spaces just aren't for us, what would you say? I would say, well, it's it's time to start making it about us. It's time to start making these moments about us. It's time to take our kids outside. It's time to get into green spaces. And here's the thing. Once we get into the outdoors and we start exploring, it opens up new career opportunities for our children as well. Um, and so just get outdoors. Just go for a walk. Join your local adventure company um, that is Black-owned. Um, and I promise you will have a community to adventure with and you'll feel safe and supported uh, doing that. And before we go, let's touch on the health benefits of being outdoors. And not just the health benefits, but like, you know, the the, the physical and the mental um, and mm-hmm. even spiritual benefits of, of being outdoors. Yeah, so African-American women are in the highest ranked of having cardiovascular disease. Um, And so that's one of the reasons why I really pushed. And just to give you a little background knowledge, I started 
a group called Black Girls Height Global in 2016, and it actually merged into Vibe Tribe Adventures. Black Girls Height Global still exists, but that was the reason why I started that. It's because health and wellness is so real, and we have diabetes, we have chronic illnesses within our community, and the more that we are venturing, the more that we're physically active, the more that we practice breathing and mindful practices, the more that our blood pressure goes down, the more that we're having mental clarity about ourselves and our identity and being able to get back into the workplace and excel, whether it's climbing the corporate ladder or being an entrepreneur. Um, Being outdoors for five minutes and seeing green literally changes your entire mood for the rest of the day. Um, So if you don't have an opportunity to just hop in your car and drive to a mountain, Step outside, hang by a tree for 10 minutes, and I promise you, it will change how you feel about yourself, your day, and the reflection of what you have for your community. Um, so, yeah, it's it's amazing when it comes down to the physical attributes that it does for us. No, it absolutely is. And I'm, I'm uh, in the number there. I, you know, had a heart attack at 35. And, oh. um, yeah, after, you know, it was just so much stress. And so... After mm-hmm. that heart attack, I started adventuring uh, into the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And it was not only just for health uh, reasons, but it was also to sort of celebrate all the things that I could still do um, after having <laughs> had that heart attack, a new appreciation for life oh, um, yeah. and, and being able to live. So uh, being outdoors is something that I hold close to me and, and uh, can certainly appreciate. I absolutely love hearing that. Thank you so much for saying that because we should be celebrating our abilities. We should be celebrating that we can be in the outdoors and it does change how we feel about ourselves. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for being on the show today. I I appreciate it. Great information. Yes. I've been speaking with Jessica Newton, CEO of the Vibe Tribe Adventures. And Jessica, thank it's thanks again for, for talking with us today. Thank you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. Let us know how you enjoy the outdoors. What are the best places to hike or camp? Give us a call at 619-452-0228. You can leave a message there or email us at midday at kpbs.org. And if you ever miss a show, you can find the Midday Edition podcast wherever you listen. I'm Jade Hindman. Thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.